I am unashamed. What about you? So our last podcast, I never said anything about Al not being there. And so y'all brought that to my attention. But to tell you the truth, I don't know where Al is. And I guess he's going to be gone for multiple podcasts. Do you know where yeah, Al is? I do know, but oh. only because, well, he he asked me to fill in okay. and says, I want you to take the reins, which, you know, sometimes I, there's, there's, I got a couple people out there that every time I jump on, they're like, well, why is he on here? So f- to you two people who constantly comment, I'm sorry, Al asked me to be here. Yeah. Um, he has abandoned us. He didn't tell me why, but I saw it on Facebook because his wife posted he's in the Bahamas working. No wonder he didn't so tell me. Where he was going? How he's, embarrassing is that? So he's he's working in the Bahamas. Who, who, he's really who grinding. in the world would go to the Bahamas during duck season? Someone who's lost their way. <laughs> I tell you, Phil, he's your son. I'll tell you this: if I'm in the Bahamas during duck season, I'm going to ask both of y'all right now. Please pay the ransom. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I'm sure he's having the time of his life. Yeah, he. Uh, I, the picture I saw, he was on a plane with some other couple, and they were all masked up. And so you so saw the proof to, of life. Yeah, you've seen that. I, I did see it. Have you gotten any phone calls in the middle of the night? No, no mm-hmm. phone calls. The way he initially put it to me was that uh, he had a an event, or I, I forgot how he, it was real vague. It wasn't like a. <laughs> It was like, I got this thing I've got to do. that I didn't know it was vacation in the Bahamas. So Al's abandoned okay. us. But well, I'm sorry I brought it up. Now that's depressing. Oh. Yeah. Well, he's my brother. Maybe I should do an intervention. I think I need to have I an made, intervention. I made, it, I made it my policy many, many years ago. I don't do beaches. Yeah. Have you ever been to the Bahamas? Never been to... A beach of any kind. Of any kind? I went to the beach at uh, at uh, over in France on D-Day. I went to that one. Yeah, well, that was and different. And I saw what our troops had to yeah. suffer going across that beach. That was pretty powerful, though. The, yeah. the sand is hot. It gets in every orifice of your body. Okay. The heat is pretty well. You need shade. There's no trees much. Yeah. So it's just in the ball open out in the the sun beating down on you, have naked women running around. It's just this side of hell is what a beach is. <laughs> yeah. Well, Phil, I'll tell you this. Uh, maybe it was half naked back in your day when you were considering the beach, but a lot of them now, they're just naked. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, they're just naked. Yeah. yeah. Just I, I don't do beaches naked. for a lot of reason, but that's that's one right there. Okay. Well, yeah. Fair enough. Well, what, are the, uh, what are the odds of Al being on a nude beach right now? I don't know, but I just, I just never would. I mean, I just think you're, you were raised in a family of duck hunters and Al duck hunts. He's been two or three times this year, Yeah, but to schedule a trip on purpose during duck season. He he loves it though. He loves the beach and borderline. We need to have a talk, a sit down talk. So yeah, Missy said that when Al's not here, she said you lose your studio audience. Oh, and, Al brings a lot. And I what said, did What did she tell you about me and Phil? Yeah, I said, well, what does that mean? She said, Well, a couple of times you told a I thought it was a funny story. 
And Zach and Phil never even chuckled. And I said, well, I took that to mean that it wasn't very funny. And she said, no, it was actually funny. I laughed. I'm trying to laugh now. Would you, yeah. I think me and Phil are too much alike, and and like we we will get in an intense Bible study. I, when, and too, when I laugh, like I typically I'm like laughing on the inside. All it right. doesn't come well, out, me, but, I, but I think it's funny. Let's do this. When you preach, because you preached out of Matthew 21, I'm not sure you even got to your sermon last time. You you hit the high points. Did you have any humor in the sermon? Was it was there um, intentional humor? Did you tell a joke? I tried. I, I it, okay. it didn't go over very well. Well, tell us the joke um, and let's see. Let's analyze this. I think this right, will so be my, fun for our listeners. Yeah, and I'm not good at the the jokes in the sermon thing, but I try to add them in there for comedic relief, and they always bomb. But so I'm telling the story of like to the point last week, which is that that the the these Pharisees they'd read all these prophecies, but they only would hear what they wanted to hear. So I was trying to find an analogy of, you know, what that would look like of somebody who would only hear what they wanted to hear. And, you know, good story. You, you gotta, you gotta tee it up. So I said, um, I, I, I was real serious about it. And I said, um, I want to tell you about one of the most tragic love stories that, that's ever been told. And, and some of you may have heard this story before and I'm, I'm getting, I'm real serious about it. I'm like, I mean, you, there may be a sadder story out there, but I don't know of one. Um, and, and it's about a guy named Lloyd Christmas who professed his undying love to Mary Swanson. And um, this guy, now, Lloyd, heard, had overcome all. Who are those people? Go ahead. Who are those people? Well, that's part, oh. well, that's part of the joke. So okay. I thought they would get the, the joke. So I said, yeah, I'm, t- I'm telling how they're overcoming all odds and they travel across the country. It's the movie Dumb and Dumber. And, you know, the, the scene where he he professes his love to Mary Swanson and and he says, I, mean, uh, I don't he really says, remember uh, that. But see, right now in the joke, I'm thinking this, if I would have put those two things together, I would have been thinking, why is this guy watching Dumb and Dumber to a point to where he remembers parts of the movie that were forgettable? But go ahead. No, it's not forgettable. It's, it's the most iconic I've part of the movie. I've seen the movie he, and I don't remember that part of the movie. Do you remember the part of the movie when he says, what are the chances of a guy like you and a girl like me I ending up together? I do remember that. I do remember that. That was, that was the point. Oh, so well, she says, not good. Yeah. And then he says, not good, like one in a hundred. And she says, more like one in a million. Yep. And do you remember his line? So you're telling me there's a chance. So you're telling So my point was, Lloyd Christmas heard what he wanted to hear. And that's how we are. Sometimes we hear what we want to hear, even though in the face of all reality, it's it, it, it doesn't make any sense. Did they laugh? Everybody in there under the age of 40 laughed, which is about half of the, the church. And everybody else was like, what is he talking about? Yeah, I would have been in the what is he talking about camp until you got to the there's telling me a chance. Well, you broke the cardinal rule. Who is the most famous person who only hears what he wants to hear in our family. Oh, Phil? Is that who you're going to say? No. Really? I was going to say Cy Robertson. Okay. I mean, Cy. Why do you say that? Cy, I'll give you an example. This morning, a duck comes in and lights on Phil and Cy's side. I mean, how far? 15 yards? I say kill him. 
Well, Cy had never gotten down. Everybody else was down. He hadn't gotten down because he wanted to be the first to shoot. And he, because he told me last time, I don't, I'm not getting down because when y'all say kill him, I, by the time I get up, it's over. I said, but you're risking flaring the ducks because you're standing up. And he's like, well, as long as I don't move, they'll think I'm an old tree. I said, okay. It's good. Now, look, speaking of hearing what he wants to hear, so the duck comes in, he shoots. I'd say the first shot was four feet to the left. It it flies out. Now, I thought other people were going to join in, in the shooting. Nope. So he shoots a second time. That one was closer, but because I'm seeing where the pellets hit the water. And now he's getting on out of range, and he shot again. And I said, what happened? And he said, a tree got in my way. That, did he not say that? He said, a tree said. got in my way. I said, three times? <laughs> he said, the tree got in my way. And I said, three times? He said, hey, the tree got in my way. So I, I just took that to mean he's only hearing what he wants to hear. <laughs> hey, I should have used the side story then. Well, that's it what may, I'm it saying. Probably hit Pick better. a story. <laughs> He's invisible. Well, I tried. Yeah, you know, I tried. Okay. Well, I think I've said this before. Every time I try to be funny in a speech, it's not. But there'll be times throughout the sermon, people will laugh, and I'm thinking. What are they laughing at? I wasn't, that was not a joke. And usually if I say something that I intended to be funny and they don't laugh, I say, I thought that was funny. And then they laugh. So you can always use that line. I see how courtesy that. Well, I did that. I said, yeah, it's supposed to be a joke. And then they, I got some courtesy laughs from some of the older crowd. I hadn't seen the movie. Well, you could use, but yeah, I think you got to, you could use Phil's line because I've heard it for years. What, when Phil says that something one? that's, that he thinks is funny and people don't laugh, do you know what your line is? Do you remember? You've said it a hundred times. I don't remember. You said, I think you need to go to Walmart and buy a sense of humor. Yeah. And guess what? They laugh at that. Yeah. But if you look at the, the pattern we are to uh, uh, duplicate, to be like Jesus, you know, if you, you notice, he didn't do a whole lot of joking around. You know he did do some, the, I think. He, he did a few tongue-in-cheek things. Yeah. As far as, like, joking, he he he, he, he was, I, I think the seriousness of the matter at hand Sort of just uh, took 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 a first first seat. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I think well, there's I different kind know. of pre I mean, preachers too. Yeah. You know, there's. I mean, Al's great. Al is good at like working the crowd, telling funny jokes, the top ten stuff. I've just never been good at that. But if you just want to get like right into the word, like that's more my vein. I know Phil's like that too. I mean, uh, I just think it takes different kind of people with different types of styles. You know, I tried. I, the, I did try, Jace. I think the best thing you do, because I tend to do the same speech at different events, and so yeah. if they laugh at something, then I think, oh, that must have been funny. So I, the next time, I'll just do that same thing. 
if they don't laugh yeah. and I was trying to be funny, I say, you know what? That wasn't funny. Well, after a while, all your stuff is funny. Well, there's a there's a John Piper clip on um, YouTube where he's speaking to a group of mental health workers, and he's not trying to be funny, but they keep laughing at his jokes. And every time he would say, I'm not trying to be funny, they thought it was a deeper level of the joke, and they would laugh even louder. And he's like, wait a second, I, I'm telling you, I'm not trying to be funny. What's wrong with you people? And he's getting upset. And the more upset he gets, the more they laugh. And it's, it's one of the most awkward exchanges, but he... Yeah, so I, I mean, it was pretty pretty wild. They, he was trying to tell them he wasn't joking, but they kept thinking that he was. So it's hard to read your audience sometimes, though. Well, I think, though, the hardest you laugh at any time, we were talking when we were having Thanksgiving Day, somehow it kept one of the hardest times I've ever laughed was years ago, Missy's parents invited us to this workshop and it was like a Christian work. They called it a Christian workshop. It was just a big gathering. They had classes and all. And he asked me to speak at it. Well, the first thing that was funny about it is we stayed in their hotel room because we, we made the point that back then we didn't have enough money to actually buy our own room. So we're, I'm in a hotel staying with my in-laws. Well, I hear a sound during the night and I thought, what is that? Well, it's Larry snoring and like painful. Like I'm in, I call 911 type of sound. Well, I get tickled <laughs> and start laughing. Well, Missy hears me laughing because she's not sleeping because this guy, they're, they're hearing him in the next room. Well, she starts <laughs> laughing. And we got, the more we got tickled and we were trying not to laugh because we didn't want to wake him up. Well, Larry's wife, Missy's mom, she wakes up and hears us laughing because she's used to the snoring, and she starts laughing. Well, then Larry wakes up, and he starts laughing. But the funny part was he didn't know why we were laughing, which that really made it funny then because now, I mean, he's laughing like uncontrollably, and I'm like, you don't even know why we're laughing. Once I got that line out because I was laughing too hard, then we laughed even harder. Sounds like to me, y'all ran out of something to do. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just laughing at you. I mean, you know, it's like the hardest I've ever laughed. I mean, it's like if you had just, I mean, there's been a couple of occasions when I was traveling where I just acquired violent diarrhea. And here I am going into a public restroom and I'm like, I'm going to try to do this quietly. <laughs> Yeah. Look, it's the hardest <laughs> you will ever laugh. Because they're all I never look, thought they, about it. They all way. get quiet. All everything uh -oh. stops. And you just hear me laughing. Hold on. Huh? Let's take let's take a quick let's take a quick break. <laughs> so imagine imagine over one hundred thousand Americans losing their jobs. Well, you can stop imagining that because it's really happening. Since 2015, this is incredible, but over 100,000 independent farms and ranches in the U.S. have shut down. Why? Well, the reason is because we are importing our beef and meats from other countries and we're destroying local agriculture. That's why our partners at Good Ranchers are here. We love these guys. They really support us and we want to support them. They exist to support the local American farm and help you make great American meals. 
Together, they want to restore the American ranch and your mills to their former glory. You can get the beef, you can get chicken, seafood that can't be imported or matched at GoodRanchers.com. Go to GoodRanchers.com slash Phil right now and you get 10 free bistro fillets. And in addition to that, if you subscribe, you're going to save $25 off each subscription box of mouthwatering American meats for life. That's right. You get 10 free bistro fillets. That's $119 value, free express shipping, and $25 off your monthly subscription for life at GoodRanchers.com slash Phil. Get the best deal of the year at GoodRanchers.com slash Phil. Your 10 free bistro fillets, free express shipping, and $25 off your monthly subscription for life are waiting for you at GoodRanchers.com slash Phil. Visit or use the code Phil at checkout. So you're, la- so you're in the stall laughing? I'm in the stall laughing because I'm trying to do this quietly. And then I start laughing and I think, you know what? What the heck? Yeah. And you just blow it out. So, <laughs> And then the, the thing you hear is that if it's a door, you hear that door opening and closing because people are <laughs> getting out of there. Yeah. You've never had that happen, Phil? No. No. Boy, y'all need to live a little. <laughs> I think Phil's wondering what is going on in the podcast today. But well, I'll tell you who wasn't laughing is it, it, for a good transition was uh, uh, Jesus in, in the temple. Um, that's well, tell us your sermon. Week, but... Yeah, tell us your sermon. We're in Matthew 21, and it seems to be one of the most awkward passages in the Bible because a lot of people say, well, I thought Jesus never sinned. Yeah. Peter said he committed no sin and no deceit was in his mouth. So I know from one thing, when you read Matthew 21, 12 through 17, it's it's not wrong to get upset and even angry. Yeah. Right or wrong? Yeah, well, right. they're right. There's, there's, a, there's a godly anger for sure. I think, too, Jesus is, I mean, we're not Jesus. I don't know if we can exert this kind of anger. I mean, it was his temple. It was his temple to, to be angry about, you know, so I think it made sense, but I didn't get into the temple. I, I stuck with the triumphal entry of Jesus and more about all the different prophecies that are in the old Testament, as I mentioned last week. And, um, the, the overarching point that I was trying to make was that, that we, the reason why the Pharisees missed Jesus, even though they knew the prophecies, uh, was the same reason that we miss Jesus today. It's that we don't like the idea of a sacrificial Savior, primarily because we don't want to sacrifice. And so, you know, anytime you start talking about like somebody dying or giving up something or laying down of self, I mean, that's not that, that's not stuff that we like. So my point was out of Luke 24, when Jesus says, you, you didn't believe all of it, you just believe part of it. And then he went on to explain the rest of it of how, how the, the Son of Man had to suffer um, in order for the, or the, the, the Christ rather should suffer that these things would happen and he could enter into his glory. The same thing with us. Like sometimes you have to suffer. And, um, and so that was that was the overarching point of what I was talking about. I didn't get into the temple, although I think that there's a direct correlation to what Jesus was angry about when he went to his father's house and saw what they had made of it. You know, he, he, he saw that they had really... Um, bastardized the temple you know yeah well i he quoted that jeremiah seven eleven, and i brought that up last time where it says has this house which bears my name 
become a den of robbers to you. But I have been watching, declares the Lord. But I went ahead and read the next couple of chapters of this exchange in Jeremiah. And what I found interesting is, you know, in, in verse 15, which I think is the point where it says, you know, if you're going to a temple to worship God without the presence of God, without acknowledging the presence of a real live God, well, you've missed it altogether. And he says that in verse 15. But he did also say a couple of other things. Jeremiah, in verse 23, it, it says of chapter 7, but I gave them this command, obey me and I will be your God and you will be my people, which I don't know how you could make an emphasis anymore on the relationship status of what God desires. His desire was not for us to build a building somewhere and go through the motions without acknowledging that he's our God and we're his people in the relationship. So then it says, walk in all the ways I command you that it may go well with you. But they did not listen or pay attention. Instead, they followed the stubborn inclinations of their evil hearts. And then this is Jeremiah 7, 24. Listen to this statement. I, I thought this was perplexing. It says they went backward and not forward. Yeah. Now, since you brought that up, I've been meaning to just interject several things. Big picture. When, 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 and, and look, if you, if you went back and read all of them, it would really stack up and make a long list. You've got God in flesh walking around on planet Earth, and up to now, he's performing amazing miracles. He has a lot to say about the kingdom, how you behave. So when they got all fired up about, you know, I'm a, who, I want to be at your right hand, your left hand, you know, sent the mother down there, you know. It's when the 10 heard about this, about uh, Jesus said, you'll indeed drink from my cup, but to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those. So when he said that, the 10 heard about it. They were indignant with the two brothers. So Jesus talks to them, trying to line them out. Just past that, a couple of blind people, uh, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. The crowd rebuked them. So the crowd turned on them, told them to be quiet. They shouted all the, all the louder, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. He heals them. Then you get to 21, and after... Jesus comes on his triumphal entry. The crowds answered when someone says, who is this? Uh, the crowds answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. He entered it and turned over the tables of money changers. He went on to the table. The blind and the lame came to him at the temple. He healed them. But when the chief priests and teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did, and the children shouting in the temple, little children singing the praises of God, Hosanna, the son of David. They were indignant. Here's my point. You start there and you just start looking at the reaction. Jesus moves on. He, told the, the, he burnt the fig tree up, fried it, but just with a touch. He entered the temple. 
spite of his teaching, the chief priests and the elders of people came to him. By what authority are you doing these things? Here's my point. No matter what he did, and he did nothing bad, <laughs> sinless. He's teaching them, trying to, but these reactions from them just keep adding up and adding up and adding up. So much so, they said, kill him, get rid of him. That's the reaction Jesus Christ got from the crowds in the days of the Roman Empire in spite of all the prophecies. And it was led by the Jews. The Gentiles went along with them for the most part. But I just thought it was amazing as much good as one person could do and they were indignant and they were tried, plotted to kill him. And they said, no way, you're not God. I mean, they just rejected him over and over and over and over, which brings us to people who believe it. We're saying, why is it we look at God in flesh and all we see is pure goodness, love, but the world around you, I mean, get him out of my face. What's the, is it just sometimes of what I'm saying is we tend to forget that because move to modern day and we're laughed at and scorned by many out there. So we shouldn't be surprised when scorn and indignance and, and poking fun we shouldn't be surprised at that response coming from the human race after looking at the way they treated Jesus Christ. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John record the whole thing. And if you added up all the time where it was rejection and hatred and, and just like you said, they were moving backward instead of forward. I mean, yeah, well, I thought, what does that mean? Because one of the prerequisites or was for, they going not that way? acknowledging that we're coming to worship a being instead of experience a ritualistic process. One of the one of the things amazing. the qualities that Jeremiah said that was is looking backwards instead of forward. What do you think about that, Zach? Yeah, I mean I think that I don't know exactly what that line means. I'd have to I'd have to look into that, but I just off the cuff, I think it I think that it's the same thing that these guys here are doing in Matthew 21. You know, it's, uh, it's, um, in fact, let me take a quick break. I've noticed that the older my hunting party gets, the more they would rather shoot ducks on the water than in flight. They need some practice. Well, I've got I've got just the thing for your uncle Sai, our uncle Sai, for Christmas. It's time to start thinking about the holidays, and the first item on your list needs to be this product uh, called iTarget Pro. One of our partners here. It's a revolutionary system that allows you to dry fire practice with your actual firearm in the comfort and safety and privacy of your own home. With the cost of ammo going through the roof, this uh, gives law-abiding gun owners a better way to train regularly. No more inconvenient trips to the range 
or expensive practice ammunition. You just download iTarget's proprietary app. You load the laser bullet on your firearm and start your training experience. Dry fire training can help develop muscle memory, sharpen target reaction speed, sight alignment, trigger functions, and more. Here's what you need to do. You need to go to iTargetPro.com right now and save 10% plus. You get free shipping with the offer code FILL. This is the smartest way for you to practice, and it pays for itself in one day. That's the letter I, TargetPro.com, iTargetPro.com, offer code Bill. It's, it's the same thing they're dealing with here. When they, Listen to verse 14 of, of 21. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. That's what Jesus. That's what Jesus was up to. He was healing people, the blind and the lame. Yep. But when the chief priests and the scribes saw, listen to this, the wonderful things that he had done, yeah, and the children who were shouting in the temple, "Hosanna to the Son of David," they became indignant, and they said to him, "Do you hear what these children are saying?" And Jesus said. To them, yes, I, have you ever read out of the mouths of infants and nursing babes? You have prepared praise for yourself. And he left them and went out, uh, went out of the city of Bethany and spent the night there. Uh, so I think I think what's happening is, is, is these they're stuck in the past. They're stuck in the old way. Jesus is is the future. Jesus is is the, the coming age. Jesus is the new wine. Yep. And they just didn't have room. Their their yeah. wineskins were crusty. They they, they they were in the past. Well you think about you it. You see the same thing happening. Yeah, th- Go ahead. Think about it too, like in repentance. If all you're you're doing is thinking about the past or you're bitter or even if something happened that wasn't your fault, you know, difficulty or you can't change the past. But if you're stuck there, I mean, I agree in this case, I think it was that here they couldn't listen because they thought this is just the way it is. So they weren't open-minded. Because you think one of the prerequisites for coming to God, you got to be seeking. I mean, seeking you will find. There's a, there's a draw to finding a relationship with God. I mean, he put that in us. When you read Acts 17, we read many times that there's a lure that we're, we're finding God. So you got to be open-minded. I but think part of the answer on it too is, is when he entered the temple courts and he was teaching the chief priests and the elder Lord, they came to him and they questioned his authority by what authority are you doing these things? The amazing thing he came back with, he said, let me ask you, I'll ask you one question. If you answer me, I'll tell you about what authority I'm doing these things. You want to know who I am and the authority I have? He said, let me ask you a question. John's baptism, where did it come from? Was it from heaven or men? It's a simple question. Look, they discussed it. And look, they knew it came from heaven because if we say from men, we're afraid of the people. But if we say from heaven, he's going to say, well, why didn't you believe him? If it's from heaven, why didn't you believe him? (laughs) So they had already established this uh, stubbornness towards Jesus on everything. So he finally says, John's baptism, where did it come from, heaven or men? And they sitting there saying, well, let's see. If we say heaven, uh, he he's going to say, well, why didn't you do it then? Why wouldn't you let him baptize you? So he, they, he, they said, we can't say that. But if we say it's from men, all these people that 
they hold John up as a as a prophet. He he's a man from God. So they're gonna get mad at us. So then they just lie. They say, We don't know where it came from. And he said, Yeah, and I'm not gonna tell you but what authority I'm doing these things. But, but if you did it but, to but deal to with me, that fam, kind of mind, that it would be difficult. But for him not to answer at the end is to me goes to my point is he wanted them to be open-minded and seek because most teachers or preachers they would always give an answer because that's just what they do yeah he yeah. he would make them look like idiots which i mean I, that wasn't his intention but that's what happened because yeah. now they're just like well we we can't say so we want and and then he doesn't tell them no. So what is the lesson? You need you need to be open minded. Uh, yeah, to what's happening? I think he. I think the reason why he didn't tell them was because he knew they were not searching for the truth, and it, it didn't matter what he said. He just that, think that's about what it. He I'm just saying, healed lepers. Exactly. He just healed blind people, and they're and, and they're like, no. Nope. That's why he gets in this whole thing about blasting, which we've talked about before, the, to blaspheme the Holy Spirit. You know what? Like, what's going on with that? Well, yeah, he's like performing all these miracles. It's obvious this guy is who he says he is, and they're like, nah, nah. You fulfilled all the prophecies. I get that. Yeah, you're doing great miracles, but Never you're doing enough. that of the devil. Never enough. Ne- it's it's because they they heard what they wanted to hear. And I, I to to your point about the past, I was thinking about it when you're saying this. You you if you think about this, if you're fixated on the past, and we all know that guy that we went to high school with, that every time you get around him, he's like, I mean, he he remembers every single football play. I mean, he remember. I mean, he he's he's. 45 years old, but he is stuck in at senior year of high school at the championship football game. And he can't he can't get out of that. That he's still fixated on that. That guy's not living. You're not living if you're stuck in the past. You're living if you're in anticipation of the future because the future is something that we're building. I think that's what makes eternity so appealing to me is that it's always looking forward to building something even more than what we've already done. We've already experienced God in this way, but there's going to be another moment that's going to eclipse the last moment. And it goes on and on for God is always the future. I think that's why it's so powerful to these, these guys here. They couldn't see it because they, they, they were stuck in their own power structures. Yeah. I think that's what Jeremiah's point was. He said they had evil hearts. They weren't acknowledging the presence of God. They were always looking backwards instead of forwards. Well, you see that in our, even in our country. How much do they attack the past to try to go back and destroy statues that were 100 years old? What good is that going to do? None. Nothing. It's just it, you're causing mayhem and you're stuck and you're not living life because you're hung up on what happened. But look, I wanted to give you another point that he made. that Because you got to remember, I think Jeremiah, I mean— you're talking about relentless faith, acknowledging the presence of God. He preached almost 40 years without a convert and was just ridiculed mercilessly. That's what really the whole book is about. And whenever he would feel like he needed to stop talking about the Lord, you remember that famous verse where it says, it, his word is in my heart like a fire. I just, I can't help it. I, I, where's that? Jeremiah. Bones. Yeah. Was that 20 and 9? Yeah. But look, also another point, he said they they went backward and not forward. Then in verse 28 of chapter 7, it says, Therefore say to them, This is the nation that has not obeyed the Lord its God or responded 
to correction. And remember, this all came from him saying, you've turned my house into a den of robbers instead of experiencing the presence of God. So then watch what he says. Truth has perished. It has vanished from their lips. So just think it's like another quality. They're not looking to the future. Of course, they're not looking to the, the one who built the house. They're not looking to the future. And now the truth has just become something that you make up, the truth to you. There is no absolute truth in this, which if you take that further into when Jesus was here, he would eventually say, I am the truth. And so to me is a more powerful way to look at it than trying to figure out what the truth is. God said, look, I will embody the truth. You want to know what the truth is? Listen to him. Let's say, let's, let's, uh, hold on. Let's take a quick break. So, Jace, you had a great time with your family and extended family in your, in your new house. How, how are you liking your new house, by the way? I love my new house. It's awesome. Well, right now, somebody out there might be looking at the house that you just bought and say, you know what? That looks like exactly like something they'd like to have for themselves. And the bad news is these days there are ways that they can make that happen. All it takes is someone who's savvy on the Internet. And what happens is they forge your documents to your home and they steal your title. That's where our sponsor, Home Title Lock, comes into play. Home Title Lock protects from this type of fraud. Home Title Lock puts a barrier around your home's title. The instant that they uh, detect someone trying to break into your title and steal it from you, they shut it down. If you value your home and if you want to have peace of mind, the best thing that you can do is to go get Home Title Lock. And here's how you do it. You go to HomeTitleLock.com and register your address to see if you already are a victim, which you might be, and you enter the code RADIO for, for 30 days of free protection. That code is radio at hometitlelock.com. Once the mission was accomplished as far as what he said he would do, I'm going up to Jerusalem. I'm going to die, be buried, and raised from the dead. And they're going to, the, the, the chief priests and the teachers of the law are going to condemn me. When Paul talked to the Colossians, now this is when the, when the kingdom is getting on its feet. And you can read about it in Colossians 1, 1 and 2. And uh, he talks about their baptism, the very thing he asked, where did it come from, heaven or men? So the Apostle Paul said, Colossians 2, 12, or whatever, wherever it is, oh, it's from heaven, all right. But I think th that little dissertation in chapter 3, since then you've been raised with Christ, the way we're looking at it, and we're saying all this struggle with this mindset that Jesus was going through, the Apostle Paul said all of us who follow Jesus, in which these people condemned him and never followed him for the most part, set your hearts on things above, and that's uh, in direct uh, opposition to what you said, Zach, about they just get stuck. They were just stuck in the past. They just couldn't look toward heaven and, and look at the broad scheme of things. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. When he left, he's seated at the right hand of God, mediating for his people. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. They had a real struggle with that. For you died, speaking of your baptism, you know, and why you do it, 
Your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you'll also appear with him in glory. We read those texts and say, yay, Jesus. But when he was on the earth, I've never seen such a mistreated human being who was God in flesh. I've never seen such a, a backlash and shows you how brutal the evil one is, the forces of evil, what they can do, Zach. Well, that's why he chose the new birth and adoption to represent this transformation, which, by the way, if you're all the time looking it's a backwards, process. Process. if you're looking backwards, there's no transformation. The looking forward allows you to see the power of God work in people's lives, yeah. whether they're in a structure or just out trying to live right. But what I was going to say is, you know, going back to this authority thing is he spoke as one with authority authority keeps coming up you know in 729 it says he taught as one who had authority in eight eight you remember the centurion he said he had this authority to tell men what to do because he was leading a hundred men but he said but you give the word and it'll happen because he had acknowledged that jesus had authority and you remember uh nine eight says the crowds were were filled with awe because who had this type of authority over men? That was after he, he did a miracle. In 10 1, remember, because of his authority, he gave his disciples the power to drive out demons and heal sickness. And then in Matthew 16, when they had the discussion on who he was, and, and Peter said, You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then he said, Whatever you bind on earth, it's bound, whatever you lose. So he gave them authority. So then 17, the transfiguration happens, and God says, listen to him. Why is he saying that? He has the authority. Yep. And so when you go all the way to 28, you remember after the death, burial, and resurrection, which we're getting there, that's why when he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Of course, this is post-resurrection. It's obvious now. If you got the power to remove sin, you got the power to come back from the dead, you are the authority yeah. on, on everything. Yeah. Anything and everything imaginable. You you got it. So you just, I mean, I picked just a few of those. Was it too big for them to grasp at the time? Was it just too big? I a think it was more about if you had all this authority, why are you riding on a donkey? Why are you Why are you hanging out with tax collectors and sinners? This is not how religion. Why are is you Why are you concerned with little kids? They don't have any sense. Yeah, why do you bring up little kids? And then he goes on, even after the, uh, you know this this question about authority when they question his authority about John's baptism. Yeah. Then he tells the parable. It's just a quick parable of the two sons, which it's kind of like the Luke fifteen. Yeah. This goes against everything. Religious people thought they're like, yeah. I mean, he's basically saying, I'd rather have the people that appreciate grace than people who think they don't need it. These people were the most religious people on planet Earth, Jace. Yeah, I want to read These this. Pharisees and teachers of the law, just think about it. I want to read this 2128. So after this, this authority question, what do you think? There was a man who had two sons. He went to the first and said, son, go work today in the vineyard. I will not, he answered. But later he changed his mind and went. 
Then the father went to the other son and said the same thing. He answered, I will, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two did what his father wanted? The first they answered, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to you to show you the way of righteousness, and you did not believe in him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes did. And even after you saw this, you did not repent and believe him. So I, I was going to bring up that about living backwards instead of forward. That's why repentance popped into my head. Because here they and are. That's why that response of their indignance and scorn, that's why it just kept on flaring up, flaring up, flaring up. They're looking for the Messiah, the Son of God, the King Eternal, and he's literally standing there in front of them. That's right. And they're not acknowledging it. That's that Well, the is, same thing's happening in that our world. That was my today. point while I did yeah. on my whole little question here. That was my point. You know, how you know, how could you get that far down the ladder on no matter what you do? That's I'm why not, when you're not looking, you're not acknowledging that all these little details of him not only healing and doing the miracles and but also quoting all these prophecies that happened hundreds of years ago. It's just filled with these oh. books. And if you start looking at the history of all this, well, how do you explain it? How do you explain this guy pulling off all the prophecies, never making a mistake, never even non-believers acknowledge that. They have no crime against him. They can't prove him guilty of, of any sin. You can't go find his bone somewhere. Well. You read all the history books, and they say, yeah, he was here. He did all this. And when you put all those things together, you're like, you know what? Maybe he is the Son of God. Maybe God did come down here, and his name was Jesus. I believe he is. <laughs> Let's take one last break. All right, for all of our unashamed listeners, uh, I'm excited about this. We have started a Substack for Phil uh, where we're going to be putting all of Phil's blogs. And some of these things are incredible, and they're very timely for where we're at in this cultural moment. Um, so uh, here's what you do. We're also going to put, by the way, uh, some free chapters of Phil's upcoming book on the Substack. You may not know what Substack is. It's like a kind of like a blog, but we're going to send you email notifications. So here's what you need to do right now. Go to philrobertson.substack. That's S-U-B-S-T-A-C-K.com. PhilRobertson.substack.com. All you got to do is free. You enter in your email, and then that's going to add you to our list. So every time we release something on Substack, you're going to get it. You're going to be in the know and know what we're talking about, what we're doing. So go check it out today. We're really excited about this and glad to have you guys on board. Yeah, I think that's the big thing that the you mentioned. Authority comes up over and over again, and I think that's what the dilemma was. Was what Jesus came to do was to comp not just disrupt the power authority structure. I mean, he really flipped it on its head, yeah. um, primarily by his example. You know, you think about the sovereign king, you know, uh, who did have all authority, and yet he allows his creation to touch him, number one, and not just touch him, but they, we got our hands on him. And we killed him, and so he, it, there is something in this whole thing that's like it's it's like this crazy paradox. It's like wait, wait, the 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 king of the universe, the the, the one who spoke us into existence, 
humbled himself and that whole, I think that's what's going on here. And these people that have the power that, that they think they have the power, they didn't want to let go of that. And so um, it's the same thing that happens today. Like, I mean, it's, it's the, the whole political environment that we're in. I love it when Phil says our, our solution is not, you know, political fix, which is by the way, kind of funny. Everybody thinks Phil's this political figure, but, he, but I'm like, have you not listened to what this man's been saying? He, he, that's not what that's not what we're saying. It's not a political fix because that all that is is who gets to control the power, who gets to have the power, and then Jesus shows up and he says, "You guys don't even understand what power is. You don't even get it. Like I have the power, and look what I'm doing." Yeah. By the way, Jace, it is at least interesting that although he rode in on a donkey, and and everybody was looking at him saying, you know. You know, who, who, who is this? Well, when he entered the temple and drove out all who were buying and selling there, which is quite the feat for one person to pull off, you know, he overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling dove. And all of my reading about Jesus, that's the only time where I say, well, well righteous indignation can be can be put forth, I guess, is what, what he's saying. What do you think, Jace? Mm-hmm. He goes in and just cleans house, literally. Yeah. For the exactly. ones who say, well, that didn't seem right, because, I mean, it's almost like he lost his temper. But I'm saying if, if you're the epitome of righteousness and you see what these people have done to the place of worship, yeah, well, it's, if you make it about there comes the, a time when you can clean it out. If the, you make what, it about the place and not the person, he was sending them a message. You're not going to be successful. No, but you know what's also puzzling is we skipped over it, but a lot of people don't understand, and it is difficult. Is then when he early in the morning on his way back to the city, he was <clears> hungry. <throat> this is verse 18 of chapter 21. Seeing a fig tree by the road. He went up to it, but found nothing on it except leaves. Then he said to it, may you never bear fruit again. Immediately, the tree withered. I've always thought, you know, trees that don't need hugs. Uh, he, <laughs> it, it's biblical. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when the disciples saw this, they were amazed. How did the fig tree wither so quickly, they asked. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, if you have faith and do not doubt, not only can you do what was done to the fig tree, but also you can say to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and it will be done. If you believe, you'll receive whatever you ask for in prayer. It's pretty comforting. So how do you square what? Have you ever taught a lesson on this? That was a joke. I'm trying to think if I... (laughs) Huh? That was a joke. I figured you would just immediately say no. But I mean, what do you think? How, what, how do you? It, the, to me, this is a lot like, you know, because he's going to get to repentance about authority, repentance. Yes, people are more Im, Im, important than the things that were than the house, the structure. Well, the earth is the house for us. That's the way I look at it, and. You know, when he made man, going back to Genesis, after everything he made, it's good, it's good. And he made man, it was very good. Because people, human beings, are the only people, or the only beings on the planet who can say no. You know, that Jeremiah passage that started all this, my thoughts in Jeremiah 
seven that I read and we went to the backwards. They were thinking backwards, not not forwards. And then they had they had truth had perished. Well, he got to Jeremiah eight, and I'll just read one little segment here in verse six. It says, "I have listened attentive, attentively, but they not they do not say what is right. No one repents of his wickedness, saying, What have I done?'" Each pursues his own course like a horse charging into battle. And then watch what he says. Even the stork in the sky knows her appointed season, and the dove, the swift, and the thrush observe the time of their migration. That's why I was drawn to this, because I'm I'm into things that migrate, especially birds. But my people do not know the requirements of the Lord. And I was just going to make the point that what separates humans from every other being is we can say, no, I don't want to do what God created me to do. Everything else, just the, the birds migrate. You know, I've used that as evidence that there's a God. I'm like, why do birds keep migrating when it's obviously not working? <laughs> they die by the millions. I mean, yeah. why not just take your chances in Canada? Because if you start flying, they're gonna something is going to kill you. Yeah. And humans aren't even getting one percent of yeah, what's dying. Everything Hawks, else. Owls, alligators. You know why eagles. they do it? Because that's what they were created to do. Yeah. And you know, they've done yeah. these experiments where they blindfold the birds that have never been. And oh, guess yeah. what? They migrate and go down to the same vicinity that their ancestors went down. Yeah. Well, who told them to do that? Yeah. Uh, that's so good, Jason. So, so I, I mean, I think that's what his point was about the fig tree, because it does to the person who doesn't believe it seems mean. And they're like, well, I mean, he should have hugged that poor little fig tree and maybe it would have come back. But it's not about that. This stuff was created to show you that there is a, a, a creator behind the creation. There's a builder of the house. And that stuff is used to point us He's saying, oh, look at this, and to view us as special. And, and, and Israel at the time had not, they, they didn't bear any fruit. And so you're, you're talking to these people who, who know all about the patriarchs, and they hold up in high esteem David and, and Moses and Abraham and all the, you know, all the heroes of the faith, so to speak. And, and all of them didn't pale. They, they, I'm sorry, they paled in comparison to Jesus, who was standing right in front of them. They were so fixated on the past and what what, what had been accomplished, and that they couldn't see what was right in front of them. And the, and I think yeah. this part about this fig tree is is there because they weren't bearing any fruit. And Jesus is like, if it ain't a fruit, that's not that's not a that's not part of what I'm doing. If, yeah. if I'm involved, there's going to be fruit. Exactly. And I think he's making a point that look not only through prophecy, through the Bible through his miracles, but through creation itself, everything in the universe points to me wanting a relationship with you. Yeah. Even this, the power over this fig tree here. And so you're like, you have to have that moment in your life that you're like, there's a God and he's pursuing me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, we're out of time. Well, I got to preach. Out of preach. All right, see y'all next time. Thanks for listening to the Unashamed Podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes. And don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube and be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. 
And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.